Welcome to POP, the sermon podcast for Peace Lutheran Church in Gehenna, with Pastors Doug Warburton and Tony Katko. A reading for tonight is from Mark chapter 1. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So if you were here on Sunday, you might be a little confused because that's the same reading. I hope that some of you noticed that and were paying attention. Okay, a few nods, good, wonderful. Um, So no, I didn't forget. Uh, That was intentional. This series in Advent we're doing is Arrival, and we're focusing on places. So what can we learn from these different places where the arrival of Jesus is announced? And there are two places mentioned here. So on Sunday, we talked about the wilderness. That's a place. And today, we're talking about the River Jordan. Now, on Sunday, I went through kind of all the major stories that I know of that take place in the wilderness And if we did that with the Jordan River, we would be here all night. And so instead of doing that, we're just going to look at when things happen that are similar to what happens in this story. You see, with John at the river, what's really happening here, because what comes next is the baptism of Jesus, it's really passing of the torch. So John has this really important ministry, this influential ministry that he's doing, and he's preaching repentance, this important message, and he's baptizing his followers But his mission was never the end goal. He says that this was always about getting ready for the next thing, which is a whole lot more important than what he was doing. So to the people at the time, John must have seemed like a big deal, and he keeps telling them, don't get too focused on me. Let's look at those last two verses. The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me, and I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So John's like, look, I'm just a warm-up act, right? The main event is coming up soon. It's the Messiah. And then right after this, Jesus comes along and gets baptized, and that's when the torch is passed. We hear the voice from heaven saying the line that probably a lot of you are familiar with. We say it at baptisms all the time, that This is my son who I love. With him I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit rests on him. And that's it. But here's what I didn't realize before looking into it for this series. This is not the first time that important leaders in Israel's history have transitioned, passed on their mantle here at the Jordan. It's actually a history of some important leaders being passed on, passing on that torch right here. So the first big transition is with Moses, Moses passing on to Joshua. And and I know you know the story of Moses generally, right? He comes to the Jordan at the very end 
of his ministry. And he got him out of Egypt. He went through the wilderness for 40 years. And then he gets to look in the land. And then that's it. Right? He and his whole generation, his brother Aaron is already gone. Most of them are already dead. And, and they wandered all the way. And Moses at least gets to see this land. That'll be the home for the next generation. But he never gets to go in it himself. And so that moment at the Jordan where Moses doesn't cross over, but Joshua then crosses over, that's where this mantle passes, and now Joshua is the one carrying the torch on. And Moses is a big deal, right? A lot of people know about Moses. We know generally the story. He's freed them from Egypt. He guided them through the desert. He spoke with God, gave them the Ten Commandments, as Charlton Heston, right? You know the story. Moses is a big deal. I think back to my wedding. I was, you know, I'd taken, I wasn't in seminary, but I was had, uh, at the end of college, and I'd taken some religion classes, so I thought I was very clever. And I told my future mother-in-law that instead of picking out some fancy shoes, that Caitlin and I should go barefoot to our wedding. I told her there's a very good theological reason for this, because back in Exodus, Moses, he talks with God in the burning bush, and God says, take off your feet, take off your shoes, because you're standing on holy ground. And I told that to my mother-in-law, and she said, yeah, that's great, you're not Moses. Moses could pull that off. You're going to wear your dress shoes, right? So here's the point, though. Even though Moses was a big deal, he still only gets to play one chapter. He's still just one part in this much larger story. And that, that always happens with, with things that we have built with things that we have worked for, things that you accomplished in life, no matter how big of a deal you are, at some point you pass them on to someone else, and then it's their turn. I was talking to someone recently who their spouse was dying, and they both had these long careers in the performing arts in different facets, and she said one of the things that you learn working in the performing arts that's really humbling and it's really wonderful is that the show must go on. It does. And when your time is done, no matter how big of a deal you are, when your time is done, the show goes on and it's someone else's turn to tell the story. Honestly, it's one of the things I love about being part of a church like Peace that has such a long history, right back into the 1800s at three different locations and all these different pastors involved and people. Pastor Doug and I got the chance to have lunch with Dwight Hedrick the other day, and many of you know Dwight and Marilyn from their various times here at Peace. Dwight was a senior pastor here at Peace back in the 70s and 80s, so a while ago, and then he worked in the Senate, and then um, after that, Dwight and Marilyn both got to come back as members of Peace, and so Dwight kind of helped along the way, but is, they've just kind of been attending for a while. And Dwight got really emotional when he told Doug and I that it meant a whole lot to him to know that peace was in good hands. And not just with Doug and I, with, with the whole staff and with all of the members at peace, that it's you who really make this a vibrant place. And it was really important to him to know that what he had been a part of for decades now was still in good hands. There's this weight of responsibility, I think for all of us, to know that we're part of this church that has been around a long time. 
But it's also good to get a healthy dose of humility. Um, so I asked permission, so I'm gonna go ahead and say this was Judy um, who had a conversation with Doug and I a little while ago, and I love this. She said, we were talking about former pastors and eras of the church and drama in the past and all that, and Judy said, well, I've seen a lot of pastors come and go, and I'll probably be here when you're gone to, unless the Lord has different plans. But it's, but it's true, right? There's a lot of members that, that are here through many pastors, even though we think we're a big deal. Eh, you're here for a little while, and you play your part of the story, and then it's time for someone else's. So there's another leadership transition that happens at the Jordan that I want to mention. It's when the prophet Elijah passes the mantle on to Elisha. Now, this is always confusing. Jay is not junior. That's what I remember. I don't know if it helps you. Jay was the first one, and then S-H was the second, Elijah to Elisha. So let's, this isn't as familiar, so let's read some of this. It'll be fun. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they were both standing by the Jordan. Now, I love that little detail there at the end because we often picture people in the Bible like the prophets were these lone wolves, these heroes that did it all. And it's like, look, there were 50 others who were there and maybe more than that that just weren't there at the time. This is a lot bigger deal. We think leaders are so important, but leaders can't do anything if they are not surrounded by this community who is doing things with them. Let's go on to the next verse. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other, and the two of them crossed on dry ground. So what does that remind you of? Moses, right. This is an obvious, obvious parallel. They're saying, look, this is just like Moses, another big deal leader who's getting ready to pass on the mantle. All right, and he keeps going. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. Now this sounds kind of weird and foreign to us, the double share, and sometimes it's translated, give me a double anointing, and people are like, oh, he had such a big head, I want to be twice the prophet as you are. That's not really what it's talking about. This is in reference to inheritance in a patriarchal society. See, the normal practice was that all of the sons would inherit something, but the firstborn son would get a double share. He would get the double portion of the inheritance. And so what Elisha is saying is, look, I wanna be the next big guy. I wanna be the next leader in charge. Let's go to the next one. He responded, you have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, so he's about to go up into heaven, right? If you see that happening, then it will be granted. And if not, it will not. I love that, isn't that great? It's like, kid, it's not up to me. <laughs> like, sure, I would pick you, but this has to be God or it doesn't mean anything. And so if God wants to make you the next leader, then God will, and if you don't, sorry, I guess it'll be someone else, right? A healthy dose of humility, even for profit. All right, so let's finish this. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. 
Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He picked up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water. He said, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah, where is he? He struck the water again, and the water was parted to the one side and to the other, so he knows, all right, this is it, and Elisha crossed over. When the company of prophets were at Jer who were at Jericho saw him at a distance, they declared, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. They came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. So when we compare the ministries of Elisha, this new prophet to Jesus, it's interesting, there are actually several parallel moments. So Elisha in his ministry, he heals this leper named Naaman, and then Jesus in the same valley heals these 10 lepers, right? So it's like, okay, Elisha did this, Jesus does this. And Elisha's first miracle is to purify this spring's water, so making the water better. And Jesus' first miracle was to take water and make it a whole lot better, turn it into wine, remember that? And then Elisha raises this woman's only son back from the dead, and, and Jesus raises in a similar spot, actually, an only, a woman's only son back from the dead. So it's these cool connections that are a way of telling the people in Jesus' audience, they would have all known this. They would have picked up on all these different stories. It's a way of showing them, yeah, Jesus is doing a new thing, but it's not just new. It's connected to all these things that God has been doing all along in this story. Even Jesus, a little more important than all the others, but even Jesus is carrying on this larger story. But here's the cool thing about when Jesus lays out his succession plan. It's a little different. So Moses and Elijah, they both pick or have God pick the one next person, the one leader, and you're gonna take the mantle and be in charge. Jesus doesn't really do that. So in the book of Acts, Jesus kind of passes this mission on to all the apostles, and this group, they have the mantle. And then before long, the book of Acts tells it that then that went to Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. It's not just one person, it's not just a small group of people, it's like everybody. At Christmas, we make a big deal out of lighting candles and this imagery of light coming in the darkness. And yeah, we believe that Jesus is the light of the world. But do you remember what Jesus said about it? He went a step further and said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Let your light go and shine before others. It's like this good news of Christmas. It, and the good news the rest of the year, it isn't just for a few preachers and a few Christian leaders to pass it on. The mantle is for all of us. This good news of light shining in the darkness, it's not just in my hands, it's in all of yours. This is our chapter. Right now, what we're living, this is our chapter in God's story. May it be one that is filled light.